Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hello and welcome to Living Free on 3CR. Uh, my name's Bill and you're on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kHz on your AM dial. This week we're talking about recovering from drug addiction and how support from self-help groups like Narcotics Anonymous can make a real difference. I'd like to welcome Cam to the 3CR studio this afternoon. Hi. Go, Bill. Thanks for having me on. No worries. He's going to talk about Narcotics Anonymous and share his experience with drug addiction and how NAS helped him. I guess the first thing people like to know is how did it all start? How did it all start? Okay, that's the big question. Um, for me, it was, uh, I guess, um, I always had a fascination with drugs from a young age. Um, I remember an auntie giving me a tape, a Bob Marley tape, um, by the name of Kaya, and um, me asking her what that meant. She told me it was... Kyle was a t- form of tobacco that the Jamaicans smoked to um, make them play reggae better and make music sound better. And from, you know, I was about a six or a seven year old and that sounded pretty good to me. Um, uh, availability of um, marijuana for a six year old where I was from wasn't readily available. So um, always in the back of my mind, I wouldn't mind trying that stuff. And I um, first had a drink at about age 12 and it was in the same year. Um, came across marijuana, had it, and um, as I say, the, the rest is history. Right. <laughs> so were you attracted to uh, alcohol? Not particularly. Um, uh, I grew up in a household. Um, my mum was an alcoholic, and I saw the effects that that had on her, and um, my dad was really against alcohol, and um, my mum's side of the family all loved to drink, and um, I sort of thought... I don't know. I, I really it didn't appeal to me. Um, I didn't like the taste of it. Um, I liked I liked smoking grass, and so I made the decision as a twelve year old that that's what I was going to do. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, I I grew up um, in an alcoholic situation. My dad was an alcoholic, and um, and, and like you, I I could drink alcohol, but it didn't it didn't do anything for me. You know, clearly it, it didn't do what it did for my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you? What did you do? Escape? How did you escape then? Um, I always liked music, so yeah. um, I just found that I used to, from an early age, like it was like sort of like a thing that the, I did with the boys. You know, we smoke a joint, do that sort of stuff. Yeah, but I enjoyed yeah. it most actually back home with the lights off and the music playing on your own. On my own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's the thing that um, we tend to isolate a lot and feel comfortable with ourselves yeah very much so yeah Yeah. um so what was happening at home then um at home it was sort of like i guess it was a a small family um um myself my sister younger sister and um my mum and my dad um you know mum drank but wasn't really a fall down drunk but um was very argumentative i suppose would be the a nice way of putting it. The hallmark of an alcoholic. Correct, yeah. Um, um, And my dad was um, very successful in his uh, chosen profession and, you know, he wasn't there during the day. Um, You know, he'd come home at night time but uh, be working throughout the night. And um, so what ended up happening was really we would all appear for a family meal but then all go do our own things really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So four individuals living in one house. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, doing their own thing. My thing happened to be in my room smoking bongs, yeah. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, I had a similar thing. With, I'd, I'd isolate to my room and I was a good student and so that was that was safe. I could I was doing something that I felt good about and it was out of the uh, combat zone because mm-hmm. um, it was pretty messy. Um, yeah. You know, in family situations didn't didn't go well a lot, and those were the sort of things that you didn't really put yourself out there in the firing line if you didn't have to. Didn't have to. <laughs> if it could be avoided, I would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what happened next? What did you What did you progress to? Um, I progressed to like I started getting into um, more into music, and I started um, sort of almost being influenced by the bands that I listened to, and um, the as far as my, my my drug choices, I guess, yeah. yeah. Um, I listened to a lot of punk music and that was amphetamines and then I listened to dance music, which was ecstasy and cocaine. So I found, right. yeah. I sort of found my niche, I suppose, um, yes. and started working in nightclubs and um, taking the drugs that went along with that, which right. I, I enjoyed doing. Still smoking grass, but um, yeah. yeah, it was ecstasy and um, cocaine. Okay. So, so how old were you then? I would have been about 16. Wow. Yeah, 15, 16, yeah. yeah. And so, working. So people were actually paying you to do this stuff. Yeah. So like, I'd I'd be sneaking into adult nightclubs, let's call them, of a yeah. night time. Yeah. But um, during the days on the weekends, I used to run day clubs for under 18s. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I could there, you know, um, met like-minded people, I suppose, who yeah. smoke grass and like music and like that sort of scene. Okay. So um, at home then, so nobody was worried about what you were doing. It was never really. I don't ever remember it being addressed. Like, I remember a couple of times um, I'd come home and go, where's my bong? And then go look in the bin, it'll be in the bin. But other than that, it was never like, you've got a drug problem or anything like that. Yeah, it was... My dad was really full on with me doing well at school, wanted me to do well at school. Yes. And I really wasn't too interested in that. So I think I made, like, I don't know if it was a conscious decision or whatever it was at the time to do the opposite of that, I guess. Right. Okay. Rebel. Rebel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a word. Yeah. So, what were your friends doing? Um, uh, At that stage, when I'm like 16 or so, um, they were either preparing for you uh, do schoolwork to get into a university course. They sort of, they all sort of knew what they were going to do. Yeah. Is the impression I got, or I had friends that were really into sport. They were always going to be good footballers and go on. A couple went on to play AFL. Another good friend of mine was a triathlete, did that. So I always had interest in sport and stuff as well, but I never really committed yep. like I did to <laughs> music and drugs, I suppose, yeah? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they, they they looked like they had direction and I really didn't feel like I did. Yeah. yeah. So did you have any money worries or not because you were working and... Um, I, I was working there and I was by this stage I was selling a bit of grass, um, just sort of like I wasn't saying I'm a dealer. I was yeah. just sort of the bloke that smoked a lot of grass. In and between, if you wanted, yeah. if you wanted to get grass, you'd come and see me. Um, yeah, and um, I was supported by my dad. My da- I come from a fairly wealthy family, and my dad there was always he'd never say no if I asked him for something. Really. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, so, did you feel connected to the people you were with? Um, I did to an extent. I sort of had, I'm looking back on it now, I sort of had like one or two close friends that are still friends today, but um, we had the the drug thing in common, I guess. Um, um, I sort of was good at moving between different groups, really. So I could be hanging out with my mates who played footy, 
one day, the next day I could be hanging out with my mates that are into music. Uh, the next day I could be, you know, um, chasing after girls, doing that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, just, I sort of moved around a lot, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I never really stayed, you know, just with one group, I don't think, yeah. Yeah. And I used yeah. to sort of pride myself on the fact that I actually could, look at me, I can mix with all walks of life sort of yeah. thing, yeah. Bit of a chameleon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very much so. Yeah. <sighs> yes. Um, yeah, you're sort of social, but you're on the outside. It's Yeah. yeah you're, you're connecting with people, but you're not... You're not part of the group. Not, not yeah. really. Not, not yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how did um, how did it progress from there? Um, from there, I, um, I well, I finished school, uh, past year twelve. I don't know how. Wow. Sort of. Yeah. Don't really know how I did that. <laughs> I didn't really, like I said before, I wasn't known for my my studies. Um, so I got through that just basically. I've always had an ability to talk. I suppose. Yeah. Yes. So I. I basically must have convinced people that I did, that's, good that's basically good enough, yeah. Um, and then um, I was lost when, like I said before, everyone else was going to go study and do careers or settle down and get married and do that sort of thing. I really didn't know what I wanted. To, I knew I liked music. I knew I liked surfing. I knew I liked drugs. Yeah. Um, that's about it really, yeah. So I was sort of a bit lost for a year or so and then, so I thought, okay, well, the thing that they do is I'll just I'll go and study what my dad did, and I managed to get into a, court, a uni degree in Queensland, a law degree in Queensland, and um, did that for about a, just under two years. So nearly somehow got through that, um, passed a few subjects doing that, but um, started working in nightclubs again oh, right. up in yeah. Queensland, and um, that's where my my talent was, I suppose, yeah, and yeah. Um, got very successful in that. I um, hosted nights, organised events, dance parties, um, opened up a recovery club, was a part owner in a recovery club and just sort of loved music, was like DJing by this stage and was loving music and loving surfing and loving drugs, right. really, yeah. yeah. So what were you on at that point? By this stage, I was addicted to cocaine and taking a lot of ecstasy and drinking a lot right. and still smoking a lot of grass. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Hitting it hard. Yes. <laughs> um, so um, did that continue well or...? Um, I don't know what the definition of well is. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like... Enjoyable. I enjoyed yeah. it for five yeah. years and yeah. then, um, you know, I got into selling heavier drugs, um, ecstasy, and um, I had a falling out with the people that were supplying me the stuff and in their words were, you're on the next plane out of here, mate. Yep. To cut a long story short. Yep. And um, so that was the end of my, my <laughs> Queensland adventure, let's say, right. yeah. Um, so I found myself back in Melbourne not knowing what I was going to do. You know, I really didn't have a clue. My dad got me a job in with a finance company. And I, didn't, I was, didn't know what I was doing really. I, had, oh, I, I still was addicted to cocaine and drinking. So that sort of suited that. Lifestyle yeah. a bit. I, I had a passion for cars. I knew about cars, so I was a good salesperson, I suppose. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'd been used to selling myself, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I just sort of the two went well together. Um, but then I started working at the same time back in nightclubs, and I was getting more known as a DJ. So I was actually, yeah, you know, doing some good stuff there. I actually enjoyed that. Um, and then I didn't have really 
time to do anything during the day because I'd be working Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, and that would catching up with me work on a Monday, and yeah, so yeah. that went. That was that was the end of that career. Yeah. Right. Um, so how old were you then? I would there? have been about twenty four, twenty five. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you've been. I think you said you started around 12, so you've been using drugs for about 12 years or so. By this stage, yeah. Yep, yeah, yep. right. So was it having any effect on your health Were you um, at that point? At that point, no, nothing really right. noticeable, yeah. Like yeah. I, the cocaine certainly was. I, um, I don't know if you can see my nose now. I've got a deviated septum from yeah. overuse of that and I was getting wow. prolific nosebleeds and so... To answer yeah. the question, yeah, it was having an effect on my health, but, but that didn't stop me. No, no yeah. right, <laughs> just slowed you down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> okay, so um, so you're back in Melbourne. You're doing DJing. Yeah. Um, so did you did you quit your your day job or yeah. did they get yeah. rid of you? I just sort of just didn't turn up one day, right. basically. <laughs> as you do, yeah, as you do. <laughs> uh, so, what about relationships? Were were things you know were you having good relationships um yeah i guess so like not with my family yeah right that was one thing that i wasn't like i my mum the my mum's alcoholism was pretty bad by this stage and she was noticeably looking sick um and i'd i'd sort of distanced myself i guess by this stage by being in queensland and then um back here um she was noticing that i was you know, she was very always encouraging of my music stuff. Yeah, that was the one yeah. thing I got to say about yeah. Mum that was yeah. really awesome. We had like a really close relationship through music, through um, sport, and just and fashion and stuff like that. Right, my Mum was really into that sort of stuff. Um, but she was getting, I could see her getting sadder and sadder from her alcoholism, where she was isolating more, and yeah. I, I wasn't having as much to do with her by right. this stage. Yeah, yeah. so. The relationship was, yeah, it was sort of not not great, right? Yeah. And the relationship with my dad, I don't, know, I don't, I don't, I don't even really remember by yeah. this stage. I was so out of it, really, most of the time that I yeah. to think, you know, did I have a, a moment that I remember with? I don't, I don't really remember. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, what about um, girlfriends? Did you? Yeah, you? I've sort of always been in a relationship i think when i look back on it um yeah. most of them have been long long term i suppose you'd, you'd call um i think it's that thing that um like we were discussing earlier that codependent need that i've got this that i've been able to look at these all these years later that's what it was yeah so i'm of, growing up with an alcoholic parent yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so um <clears throat> yeah i um yeah i was in in my 20s, I was in a relationship with a girl for like four or five years. I thought we were going to get married. Um, and that was the relationship where us two geniuses came up with the idea of one day trying heroin. <laughs> um, and um, that was one drug I said I'd never ever use. I thought I was, I'm not a, I'm not that type of person. I'm not a junkie. I'm not this sort of stuff. Yeah. Look yeah. at me. I'm, st- I'm, I'm in control. I'm in control yeah. sort of thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> And then I discovered you could smoke it, and we smoked it, and I basically, from that point, it seems like it was overnight, it was like longer than that, but I stopped doing everything else and just solely focused on my heroin use. Yeah. And um, at the same time then, my mum's alcoholism had gotten so bad that she died. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, she died from the disease. Like, she was in and out of hospital for a bit as a result of it. Um, 
the sad thing was, looking back on it, she'd, she'd given up on life. Um, and um, and had, I'd told her that I'd been, I'm addicted to heroin as well. So I felt a lot of guilt and shame for her, how she, how that must have been to hear her son. Yeah, how she felt. Yeah, yeah. like that, yeah. yeah. And, you know, she was in and out of hospital. And then I remember being in hospital with her visiting her in hospital when she was like gone into a coma and um yeah she died not long after that right yeah yeah so basically you're now on your own with a with a heroin addiction yep so oh sorry you're with a partner i was in a partner yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so it must have put a big strain on the relationship both of you being on heroin at once um you know what it it really didn't sort of like that codependent yeah. meshed as one one yeah. entity, I suppose, yeah. to obtain heroin, so that we both could use it. But yeah, toward, towards the end of like after about three years of that, it was like three years of you could you know the story of heroin use. It's it's not it's not a pretty one, right? Um, she was ready to stop using. Um, we did a a thing called a rapid detox. Oh, sorry, we did that in the first year. Sorry, after okay, about yeah. the first year of using. Yeah. Um, and um, that didn't work, um, so that was my first attempt to get off. Um, so how does that work? What's the? It's a. It was a thing. I think it's banned now in Victoria, um, but it was a thing that was promoted as a miracle cure to get off heroin within 24 hours. Yeah. Um, and it's all you go into a hospital, be heavily sedated, and then pump full of a drug called naltrexone, which is meant to wash the heroin out and block the receptor that makes you want to ever use again. Um, Basic long story short, after 24 hours, I, I felt like a truck had run over me. It was wor- the withdrawal that I was in was worse than anything I'd experienced before, and my solution to when I'm in pain from withdrawal was to use again. Yeah, um, and I did, and we both did, um, and we continued using for about a year or two after that. And she decided she's going to leave, um, go back to where she's originally from in South Australia, and um, uh, she left. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, and you know, the option was that I go too, and I'm so sad to say now, looking back on it, that I chose to keep using, but I know now it wasn't a choice. Yeah. I, I just, I couldn't stop. Yeah. yeah. Ah, welcome back. You're listening to 3CR, uh, Living Free Show, uh, 8:55 kilohertz on your AM dial, and 3CR on digital radio. I've got with me today in the studio Cam from Narcotics Anonymous, and we've been talking about his his life uh, using, um, using lots of different drugs <laughs> um, to date. And um, we're, we're talking about Narcotics Anonymous and how that a program like NA that fo- follows a 12-step program can help, um, help people who want to recover from the effects of um, drugs. So, um, Cam, how did, you, how did you find, you know, after you'd done your first detox... How did you find, and then started using again? Mm-hmm. That what was the next? What was the next stage? The next stage of my using. Okay, yeah. it's a, a very lonely stage, I guess. Um, yeah, I just I needed to use more. Um, uh, I just I, I had more of a desperation to be stoned. Obviously, it used to be just to not be in withdrawal withdrawal sort of thing i didn't want to have to go through withdrawal but it just became a thing where i had to like as soon as i opened my eyes in the morning i had to have a substance in me yeah preferably heroin and um 
there wasn't a, there wasn't enough. I couldn't get enough of it really. Yeah. Okay. So what what did that mean? What did it mean about yeah. it meant it meant essentially it meant crime. It meant okay to be able to support the habit. Um, you know, I wasn't able to do to work um, just because I was solely. I you know I was either too sick because I hadn't had any heroin or I was off my head because I had had heroin basically. <laughs> had yeah. <had> enough. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, did you uh, did your family help? Did your dad help you in any way? Dad did, like in that. I guess, um, like you know, dad paid my rent, which was a big help. Yeah, and you know, the way I thanked him for that was to steal from him. Oh, wow. Right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and you know, he he put up with a lot of my shit. Uh, he put up with a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, he he was just trying to keep our family together, essentially. Um, yeah. So you know, I really feel bad for dad. What he had to go through with me, and having just had his wife die from alcoholism, and now me, and um, yeah, just it must have been really hard for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it must have been pretty hard for you to, um, you know, with your mum dying as well. It's they're the sorts of things that trigger. trigger oh, definitely. I, I had a lot of. I had a lot. Like I said, I had a lot of guilt and shame about mum that I could have done something for her. I should have said to her, "Hey, you know, you've got a problem with alcohol. I've got a problem with drugs. Why don't we both go get help?" Um, that I never had those discussions with her. I, I found that like I'd let her down somehow. Yeah. Um, you know. But, you know, I know for me, nobody could have forced me to get clean. No. Really, no. yeah. So you've got to be ready. You've got yeah. to be ready, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah I had uh, – my dad kept drinking till he died um, and I was in Aller and family groups and um, it, it didn't seem appropriate for me to be saying to him, I think you should go and get help because mm-hmm. either you accept somebody, you know, as an alcoholic and alcoholics are people who drink and, you know, get drunk and uh, cause cause havoc and, mm-hmm. you know, abuse you. Um, so either you accept um, an alcoholic as, as an alcoholic and you go, you're okay, that's your life, mm-hmm. um, or you say, I think you've got to change. And if I was accepting him, then I had to accept him as he was, drunk or sober. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that's the, uh, the best thing that's happened to me is allowing him to make his decisions and suffer the consequences of those decisions yeah. and not try and say... You've got to you've got to satisfy me. Yeah, you try to take control of that situation. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and the same with me. I I didn't come into Alanon until I was ready. Until I was defeated, if you like. I couldn't I couldn't cope anymore with Dad's drinking, um, or the effects of his drinking, um, or my reaction to his drinking. All those things uh, were the things that brought me in. And it was only at that point where I was ready to to let go, to um, to drop the rope, to you know the tug of war between us. To, for me to stop trying to force him to do things, you know, and I, I was critical of everything that he did or said or didn't do or didn't say, um, and I realised that you know I had a problem. You know, I was focusing on his life, not mine, mm-hmm. and really I just had to let him go. And once I'd done that, I felt better for me, and I could get on with my life, and I could be, I could be nice to Dad instead of being a, a bit of a shit, really. Yeah. And that's yeah, that that's the thing that made me feel better was that I wasn't causing him any problems, which I had done before. Okay, I'd made his life not very pleasant. Um, so, 
did you what what sort of brought you around to thinking I must I must have another go at stopping? Did was that... um, what brought me around? Well, the first time that I tried stopping was um, a partner that I was seeing at the time. Um, uh, so this is a, a separate relationship, the one that I've just mentioned. So mm. this brings us up to about two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. Um, by this stage, I'd started using ice as well. Well, wow. and um, you know, I was just I'd be using ice to wake up from the heroin, and then the heroin to level out, and then that wasn't working. And I started using Xanax, a drug called Xanax, which was the next thing. And just by this stage, I just wanted to be completely wiped out. Yeah. Like I was just not coping with life in any way. Um, <clears throat> and she brought it to my attention that I should go on a drug replacement onto methadone. Um, and try and, you know, manage that first and then look at the other stuff, Um, you know, and I couldn't do it, really. I couldn't do it. Um, And so she recommended to me perhaps I should entertain the idea of going to a detox, uh, a drug detox, a hospital situation. Um, Not a rapid one. Not a definitely not the rapid one ever again. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, no, no. Um, An actual proper hospital that specialised in in withdrawal and detox and um and and a way of staying clean i guess yeah. after a 28 day program okay yeah so is that where you came across uh na yeah that's where i was introduced yeah. to na i um part of that hospital they'd take put you on a bus and take you off to a meeting each day wow yeah yeah that's cool yeah so that wasn't too bad and so what did you think of uh, na meetings um my first impression of it was that i don't this isn't for me yeah, really. Doesn't, doesn't fit the mould. Doesn't fit the mould, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, okay, you all seem like a nice bunch of people, but you're not. For, it's not for me, yeah. really, yeah. And You've got a problem. Yeah, <laughs> well, you've got a problem or I'm different or, yeah, yeah mainly the old I'm, I'm different, Yeah, really, yeah. Yeah. Like I know best sort of stuff. Yeah. I still had that going on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not completely beaten. No, <laughs> no, yeah. I, well, as I found out, yeah, I, um, I, th- I thought, I thought that, you know, First, I was just I stayed. I went to a, a long term rehab after that one that I went to, and and was doing meetings. Um, yeah. In the back of my mind, though, I thought oh, I'm still able to have a drink. So that was like the one thing in NA they say that um, alcohol is a drug. Um, yeah, like many any addicts, other, yeah. like any other. Do you know what I mean? Um, and has caused many addicts to relapse before. And I'm sort of like, yeah, that's okay for them, but. Here's me, and so I was going out for dinner once a week, having the occasional drink, whilst I was actually in a supported com rehabilitation place, yeah. and then still going to meetings and doing that stuff. So I wasn't exactly working what they'd call a program, <laughs> <laughs> a modified program. Yeah, correct, my yeah. program. Yeah. Um, so did your relationship suffer then? Did you know in if you had a close relationship and you're drinking? and mm-hmm. taking drugs or and you know trying to get off drugs mm-hmm. um were you in a relationship at that time as no well? I, I, I i i i i just gotten into one i'd been clean for 10 months okay but technically not really clean because i've been having a drink yeah. here and there yeah. um um in the na sense of the term clean i wasn't clean um but yeah. i hadn't used heroin for 10 months i hadn't used any other drugs for 10 months yep. so i was sort of pr- a bit impressed with myself actually yeah. if, yeah. if anything you're right goals, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look at me you know <laughs> yeah um and then i got into a relationship um 
which was unhealthy from the start, really. Um, it was a married woman next door neighbour, oh, so right, I exactly yeah. wasn't. Okay. It wasn't exactly a, what you'd call a healthy relationship, and um, we drank more and more together. And within about three or four weeks of being in that relationship, I was back on heroin again. Wow! Yeah. Oh goodness. Um, so how long did that? How long did you last on heroin? After that? After that? Yeah. Well, okay, so that's, what's that, about 2010, 2011, I used for another four years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So did you stay in that relationship? No, sort no. of. Yeah. She moved overseas and it was sort of like a long-term, uh, long-distance type thing. But yeah. It never really was a relationship to begin with and I was just in a place of just using by myself and I'd, you know selfishly reach out to her when I needed someone to tell me that they love me. That was right. the extent of the relationship, yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Um, it was just me using heroin and Xanax and drinking in a little apartment by myself right. with the blinds down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sounds terrific. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> uh, so what? why did you think about stopping doing that luxurious lifestyle? <laughs> okay. I felt really trapped by it. Um, you know, I'd say to myself, okay, you know, the old thing, right, tomorrow you're going to call the rehab and you're not going to do it. And essentially, for, or today you're going to go back to a meeting. And, yeah. and you know, I did occasionally go to a meeting, stuck my head in the door, literally just stuck my head in the door and went, yeah. I'm going to go use, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, I just found the withdrawal really, really hard. Yeah. I was, I guess I just couldn't handle the the pain of the withdrawal, and yeah. I'd um, always end up finding heroin again to satisfy that 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 pain that I was feeling from that. Yeah. Okay. So, and so I, I I didn't I didn't yeah I didn't I, and the, I went with that okay that whole thing for four years I guess of I'm going to stop tomorrow, and four years went past. Wow. Mm. So what's that pain feel like? You know, what's the characteristics? Of, of withdrawal or just that? Well, just that, that feeling of, it's you that know, empty, I can't stop. Em- yeah. First, it's that empty, empty pain that I'm trying to fill with the drug. Yes. Right? And then the withdrawal when I don't have the drug is just like my whole body is aching. I'm f- cold. I'm sweating. I'm throwing up. I'm just, yeah. Before I can remember this. It would be like, um, you know, all I wanted to do would be asleep. Yeah, really yeah. is where it came to, yeah. So yeah. I remember I'd wake up just in horror at the day, basically, in that yeah. even before my eyes would open, I'd be thinking about, do I have drugs? How am I going to get drugs? What am I going to do today? Yeah. So when you wake up with that mind frame, you don't really think, oh, today's the day I'm going to call the hospital and, <laughs> and check in sort of thing, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I've heard, um, I heard alcoholics also talk about it, that the the thing that's primary on their mind is the next drink or the next drug mm-hmm. and that's i guess something that is so far from my mind you mm-hmm. know don't don't think about the next anything okay yeah um so so that must be an incredible focus oh in your life completely yeah yeah just one track mind must yeah. have must have must right. have yeah right. to the exclusion of all others exactly yeah so how how did you actually get back into NA then? Um, well, this time around, I um, it was... Uh, I got I, I got arrested. Um, I was looking at a jail sentence um, and, you know, I I wouldn't do jail well. I know that. I know who I am, yeah, right? Um, you know, I've been, I'd been remanded 
for a couple of days before and that was a, a terrible situation for me. Um, mainly because I was hanging out and I was in withdrawal, I think, yeah. Yeah. So um, when it looked like when my when my barrister told me, look, mate, you're going to get a sentence for this. You've you've pushed your luck too far with this stuff. You've gotten yeah. off, gotten off, gotten off, and now this is this is this is it. This is it yeah, yeah. Um, that's what prompted me to make the phone call to the um, to the rehab at this right. point yeah. and say I'm coming in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So how did that work with the court system then? Um, well, uh, I was bailed. I had to and um, had to appear, but I was at the rehab um, and. Um, I went into the detox first and then to a long-term rehab yep. and um, stayed clean, um, did everything that was said to me. I said, look, I'm not going to end up getting locked up without saying I've given this the best go I possibly can. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, whilst me, my nature is to be fairly resistant to things, I did things to the best of my ability and um, somehow got through the court case. The judge saw that I'd been doing the work and um, uh, put me on a bond. Wow. Yeah. That was really yeah, good. So really, yeah. really lucky. Yeah, yeah, really, really lucky. Yeah, because I'd I'd, I'd um, breached a corrections order. There was no suspended sentences that had been abolished in Victoria at that time. Yeah. So the next thing was there was nothing else to do other yeah. sort of the discretion of the judge, and he and he chose wow. to put me on the bond. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. Welcome back. Uh, you're listening to Living Three on 3CR on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. I'm talking to Cam. He's a member of Narcotics Anonymous and we're talking about recovery from the effects of um, drugs. Um, so you finally get back into NIE mm-hmm. for, for real, yep, for good. I'm back. <laughs> He's back. He's back. Um, so um, what's your, what is it about NIE that attracts you when you come back this time? When I come back this time, I really can see the friends that I've made, you know, four years prior to that, five years prior to that, um, that they were five years clean right, and had amazing lives. And so I really sort of, as opposed to somebody telling me about how good it was, I actually had first-hand... You, you could see yeah, it. I could see it. Yeah. yeah, I could really see it, yeah. And were they pleased that you are back? That was the other thing. They were, yeah. they were like, they were my biggest supporters. Really, right. yeah. yeah. Like, and you know, the, the love they'd shown to me whilst I was out there using the the fact that they continually kept reaching out to me. You know, I wasn't known for answering my phone or anything <laughs> like that, but just the knowledge of them actually doing that yeah. sort of just sort of kept me sort of you know always with a little, that little bit of hope that I I could I could you know stop what I was doing. Right. Yeah. And so, what sort of things did they do that got you or kept you in? Um, I guess just. I'd come from this isolated using hole, for, for lack of a better word, yeah. um, and the love that they showed me, really. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just like genuine genuine friendship. Right. You know, didn't yeah. want anything from me other than for me to be well. Yeah, concerned for your welfare. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. 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 No, it is a good feeling. Um, and, and I guess it, it cuts the other way as well um, with you helping others. You know, how did you find that with... The desire to help someone else. The desire to actually help someone else. Yeah, that's yeah. that's how it works. It's sort of like that one addict helping another thing, but yeah. like finding out that I really enjoyed actually helping people and that I actually had something to give. My experience, I had something to give to other people. Yeah. Um, just the same way that my friends had given to me. Yeah. Or the same way that my sponsor had given to me. 
yep. you know, the love that he'd given me, you know, it's it's my thing in life now. That's what I need to do for other people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so uh, when I came to Alaron, um, I found that, you know, the, the people in the rooms were sort of like my uncles and aunties, which is a bit of an Aboriginal sort of a, mm-hmm. a thing. But you feel like you've come home. Yeah, I really do. They're your family. Yeah, I really yeah. do, you know. And like, you know, today my life is just people in NA really. You know, I've got still a couple of friends that I still associate with, have, you know, that are, let's call them normal, normal yeah. people, right? Um, and, you know, I've got, I've got my family back in my life, but, you right. know, I'm, you know, I regularly go to meetings. I'm regularly meeting up with sponsees or I'm, you know, playing golf with members. I'm, I've got a big life. Yeah. And a lot of my friends are from NA. Yeah. Yeah. So you've left a little dark room. Yeah. yeah. I've left it. Yeah. Gone out into life. <laughs> yes, yeah. I have. Yeah. Um, and you were telling me earlier um, off off air about um, going to Al-Anon as well. Yeah, I have. I, I started doing Al-Anon. I was brought to my attention like um, I've done a lot of therapy as well. Yeah. I, I should mention that as well. I've done a lot of th- continued therapy outside of NA um, for family of origin, um, just how I, how I am relationally with people. And I've learned that I'm, I'm a codependent and I'm also a child of an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, so it was recommended to me that I go to Al-Anon. Um, you know, and I, I've, I've, I've stopped going. I was going a lot. I was in a relationship that was, um, we were both recovering addicts and I found myself that very helpful, that whole, being powerless over the other person stuff, yeah. um, whereas you know the NA stuff is focuses you're powerless over the drugs. You know it, they do say people, places, and things, yeah. But yeah. it was in Elanon, it was really talking about the other person, yeah, about relationships, relationship yeah. stuff, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And I did it like you said about the uncles and aunties. It was a real family sort of feel. Like I used to attend a regular Sunday night meeting where it was like, oh, okay, it's, it's nice being here. I can yeah. relax, yeah. Yeah, I can relax, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's the thing about 12-step um, programs is that people allow you to recover at your pace mm-hmm. and they accept you exactly where you are. Mm-hmm. They don't go, oh, you should be better than this by now. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You're struggling. It, w- yep. it wouldn't work, I know, for me. If that no. was the case, it wouldn't no. work, yeah. No, no. So you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be willing. Yeah, that's it. You know, to, to, to look at yourself and to think about how how the change you know how a change will be beneficial to you yeah not considering anybody else everybody else benefits because i'm feeling better about because i'm getting better exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 um so um you, you mentioned before that you you have family back so your relationship with your family got a lot better oh a lot better yeah, yeah. it has really has this time it's sort of like you know um, my dad remarried, so I've got like a, another family sort of almost now. I've got a stepbrother and sister. Yep. Um, uh, whilst my sister, my actual sister lives in the UK, we're, we're very close. Um, you know, I just, and I've been able to make an amends to my family members. Um, just, you know, uh, you know, not one of my throwaway sorries for doing whatever I've done sort of thing, but actually like witness for them what it was like, what my using was like for them yep. and how much it hurt them. Um, yeah, we're just closer. It's like a more of a an honest relationship we've got now. You yeah. know, it's sort of I can be there for them. You know, it's like I can be there for my dad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's not. Yeah. He's not coming to a hospital where I've been deposited because I've had an overdose. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know, 
no, you're going no, the other way. It's yeah. the other way now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good feeling when you can actually, um, when you're, you're self-supporting, when you're, you know, you're autonomous, you can do stuff on your own. You're not causing other people problems. Yep. Um, and one of the things that I found with my dad was that I used to cause him a lot of problems. I'd, I'd go out of my way to make his life hard because of what he'd done to me. Mm-hmm. It was sort of this get even. Yeah, that whole even, and, yeah, even uh, the score. Even yeah. the score, yeah. yeah. And um, I heard somebody say, you know, you, you never get ahead if you're always trying to get even. Yeah. And I, I understood that for the first mm-hmm. time because, you know, what I was doing was only counterproductive to me. Mm-hmm. You know? Just hurting yourself in the end, really, that yeah. whole... Like me, me holding on to a resentment about something just yeah. makes me sick. Yeah. Really does, yeah. 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 Sometimes the other person can be completely unaware of the fact that that's what's going on completely for me. Completely unaware, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> They've never thought about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so how, how's life now? So are you back in work? Yeah, I'm working. Um, life's good for me. Life is really good. Yeah. Like, And it's like the first time in my life where I've really been able to go like I'm I'm happy I'm really ha- content with things yeah. Yeah. yeah um you know and that's first of all because I'm clean yeah but also because of the stuff that um a 12-step program's made me learn about myself and how I am in the world um yeah I just feel I just feel a lot more present and a lot more at ease with myself and um life's good today yeah, yeah. life's really good yeah so have you got a job yeah, I do. I'm, yeah. Uh, I work at a hospital. I'm a support worker. Um, coincidentally, it's the hospital that I've done a detox in. Okay. So I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm on the other Help side now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. I, I, I look forward to going to work. Right. Yeah. yeah. So anything else on the horizon? Um, yeah, from that, I've, um, you know, I, I, I came into recovery with no real qualification or idea what I was going to do in life um and from that I've looked at now I've been just accepted to do uh to study psychology a social science degree okay um so I'm about to start that and I'm looking forward to it wow Mm. yeah so how long is that that's a three-year course okay yeah yeah right so any relationships then are you you getting back into getting back into yeah Yeah. I've actually been in a relationship for two years now um and uh as I alluded to earlier about the fact that I ended up in Al-Anon as a result yeah. of that, the yeah. relationship, um, you know, we both really love each other, but it's just not working. So it's sort of, we've sort of, we've separated. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's, um, things don't have to work. You know? They don't have to, but yeah. I've got this tendency to hang on to things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah things don't have to work. Yeah. We don't have to make them work. Exactly. It's, yeah. Um, it's that thing that part of that acceptance is that, you know, the life life happens. That you know, um, as much as I make plans, life happens life around happens. the plans. Exactly, yeah. and um, and a lot of that is accepting the fact that you know, it's it's gone. Uh, maybe it was never meant to be, but who knows? But, who knows? Um, yeah, yeah. And so you just sort of move on. Well, I am a big believer in that now. The yeah. fact that I won't get stuck in something. Yeah, like that whole saying at NA is that life on life's terms. Yes. So here we go. Here's something that's happened in my life. You know, I can. I've got choice now how I, how I go about things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that yeah. I found the same thing. I don't have to react to every situation, and it's about the way I respond to it. Yeah. Uh, it's not about what you do. It's the way I respond to what you do is the yeah. important thing. That because um, you're not you're not going to change. No. You know? <laughs> and I've I live my life reacting. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. If I look back on it, my whole life has been a reaction to to something. Yeah. yeah. And 
like this stuff that I've, I've looked at in therapy, it has been relational. Like a lot of my addiction or my, my drug use has mm. been born out of relational situations. Yep. So that's just, that's my work at the moment, really. Yep. It really is. Mm. How, I, how I respond, yeah? yep. not yep. react. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I always thought with my dad's drinking that I had to, I had, if he did or said something, I always had to do something to counter it. And when I got into Alan, I realised I didn't have to do anything. Don't have to do anything. Yeah. Not not a thing. Yeah. It's, you know, I can decide to do something a, or not do something, but I don't have to do anything. It's not this urgency that, you know, it's almost a strike back. It's almost a put him back in his place sort of thing. And mm-hmm. you go, don't have to do anything. Yep. He's just, he might have said something really stupid. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do anything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a good way to live. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what, what would you suggest to people who are thinking about having a look at NA? If they're thinking about having a look at NA, okay, um, I'd suggest to maybe just come to a meeting, really. Yeah. Um, there's online, you can have a look and see meetings lists online. Um, yeah. There's a hotline you can call, an, a Narcotics Anonymous hotline. Yeah. Um, yeah, just just go and just have a listen and don't do what I used to do and look for the differences. Just listen for the similarities, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's like I don't know of any other way to get clean. I've tried, like I've mentioned a couple of the different ways I've tried to and yeah. um, I've never been able to and it's the only thing that's worked for me and it's that, that whole therapeutic benefit of one addict helping another. Yeah. You know, we understand each other. Yeah. You know, there's and there's people who have gone before us and it's sort of... Yeah. You know, it's like I learned from other people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think all the 12-step programs are like that, that just just understanding that somebody has come through this already mm-hmm. um, and they seem pretty happy and relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that I found is looking at people who, who come in to the programs after you and seeing the incredible change oh the change in i love seeing the change yeah, yeah. i love it yeah yeah. Um, yeah and i think that's the thing looking at you know seeing people become aware that they're the problem it's not it's not someone else's no, it's no, not no. what somebody else did it's what they're doing yeah and once they realize that they go oh yeah okay <laughs> i take responsibility i take responsibility yeah. yeah from this point on i'm responsible for my life I'm, i can't blame it on anyone else yeah. um and that yeah that's well a, that whole my pain and suffering is self-inflicted. Yeah, I, I get that now. Yeah. yeah, you know, like you know, I know people have had very traumatic things that have happened in their life that's not you know beyond their control. But like you know, I've I've had things happen to me. But it's like the choices I make now. You know, I can either stay in that or I can actually want to get well around that area. Yeah, and the how liberating it is to actually go. All right, or empowering it is for me to actually go. Yeah, okay, it's me, yep. and I need to do something. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, well, we're coming towards the end of the show. Um, so what I might do is I might just read out the um, contacting Narcotics Anonymous info. Yeah. If you think NA could help, then you can phone 03 9525 2833 or you can go online at www.navic.net.au. Um, how are we going? Yeah, still, still, I guess, a little bit early to... Um, unless I put a very long track on, which, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't have queued up. Um, so uh, I think um, it, it's been really great having you on the show um, and particularly to give your experience because you've had a 
you've had a uh, a long a long career of uh, I using, certainly have here. Yeah. I certainly have <laughs> of, of using and um, and now you're starting a hopefully a longer career of not using. And the message I think I've, the best message I've got for that, like yeah. when you say it's a long career, yeah. you know, I could stay stuck in how bad that was. Do you know what I mean? I don't these days. I don't. Yeah. You know, I don't live in that stuff anymore, really. And you know, it's from doing a twelve step program, but also just from now, I've got a, a desire to live life. Yeah, I just yeah. I'm you know, and that's that's the amazing thing. That's the the beautiful thing about the program. Yeah, that I've I've got that now. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's all the time we've got for uh, time for today. So thanks for listening to Living Free on Three CR. Uh, I'd like to say thanks to our guest Cam. Thanks for having me on, Bill. Uh, for sharing his NA recovery experience. Uh, Stay tuned now for Black Noise Radio, hosted by Black Betty and featuring black news, views, current affairs, music, sport, culture and the arts from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. Uh, See you all next week when we'll be talking to some guests from Al-Anon family groups who will share their experience with coping with someone else's alcoholism and how Al-Anon has helped them.